Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. everybody? Good, good. It's Easter Sunday. What a great time to be in church. Well, every week's a great week to be in church, but today particularly, we were celebrating resurrection. Good. Okay, I hope I can get more excitement out of people by the end of this. Um, Yes, good. Come on. It's worth celebrating. You know, uh, the other day, um, I, I bought some gravel. It's exciting life, I know. Um, the garden, last week I mentioned about the garden and what we were doing. Some of you would have been here. I was hosting, I'd making a point about doing it. So, you know, we're trying to sort out some of the borders and we, we bought gravel, you know, stones to go on the side. Now, um, the thing is, whenever we do anything like that, I always think back to all the times that we were in youth, and some of you might, if you grew up in church, been in youth groups and things, all the sermons we used to hear about, living life to the full, you know, giving everything for the cause of Christ. Let's go and buy some gravel, you know. There's this really, there's this really famous sermon by a guy called John Piper about not wasting your life, you know, giving everything for Jesus. Do you think we should have the gray stones or the, the, the more cream ones, you know? Or maybe a, a different thing, but the sort of thing that we get excited about in our house now, you know, like, oh, give everything for Jesus. Yes, we're living life to the full. Love, I've done some research on air fryers. Um, yeah, anyone with me on that? Air fryers. And, and I've seen a card apparently, you know, like one, one day, one minute you're young and partying and whatever, and the next you're into air fryers. We're in the, we're into air fryers stage, okay? I guess my point is, and look, everything, you know, decorative stones, air fryers, it all has their place, all right? But I guess there is still that thing that we need to remember, that there is something bigger to life, that we are living for something greater. And all those youth sermons, and Sam knows what I'm talking about. I'm sure he's preached a few himself. Uh, it all matters. We are giving everything. And we're in this series talking about crowns. And we've talked about the fact that believers will receive crowns. And are they metaphorical? Are they literal? Well, we'll see. Maybe. But the point is that there is something that matters. The only thing is in my head, you know, what I'm thinking is if it's literal, it just feels quite impractical to be wearing a crown. I don't know what eternity will be like. But anyway, you know, it's just me. You know, don't want to mess my hair up wearing a crown in eternity. But whatever it is, there's something that matters the, 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 the things we do in this life matter for eternity. And on this day where we think about Jesus rising again, Jesus is risen. It's a day for us to think about the fact that we are living our life in light of eternity. That there is one who was risen and we have faith that we too will be Raised. So this morning I want to share some thoughts, continuing this crown series, talking about the fact that we are living our lives in light of eternity. Everything that goes on, all the exciting and the mundane, it's all part of this bigger story, this bigger picture. So I'm just going to pray and then we're going to get started this morning. Jesus, we thank you that we can gather as your people and say, 
Jesus, you are risen. We thank you that we have hope and we have faith in that good news, that message, that Easter story. And we want to celebrate that today. And as we think about crowns and as we think about what it means for us again to say that Jesus, you are risen. I pray that the words that we hear today, as well as everything else that we've talked about, will impact our lives in a fresh way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I was going to start off as well with some other things, just to talk about crowns, but Russ has kind of stolen it last week, uh, which is a bit of a shame, but hey, there you go. Because I was going to start off, you know, like, oh, what do we normally think of when we think of crowns? And we'd, we normally picture this sort of thing, don't we? Then when we think of a crown, that's what we picture. Except, of course, and then I was going to do the, the reveal. You know, actually, when we talk about crowns, we're thinking in ancient culture, in Greco-Roman culture, we're thinking about these sorts of things. I'm not going to put them on people's heads today, sorry. Um, we, we did that last week. But actually, it's the crowns that they would have been thinking of would have been a crown that's just like a wreath, just something that it wasn't even necessarily gold. It was just, it was just leaves. And, of course, well, eventually they wither. They die, which is why in Corinthians, Paul makes this point that, you know, people in the games, they had their version of the Olympics, uh, they compete for a crown that will perish. But we are doing, we're doing all this stuff for something that is imperishable. So the, but the crown is what it represents. Now, we might think, well, what does it matter whether I'm picturing a crown or a wreath? What does it really matter? And again, Russ touched on this on Good Friday, talking about the crucifixion. And I want to go from there to some of the things that we're talking about. In, in Mark, we've got this picture of Jesus being mocked. And the crown that he's given. So I'm going to read a few verses from Mark chapter uh, 15, verses, uh, verse 16 onwards. It says, The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple, purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spat on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. So these crowns, these garlands, these wreaths, they were given to people of high status. And of course, the person who had the highest status in that culture, in that time, was the Roman emperor. And so there is going on in this passage, in this mocking, this kind of Jesus is, is seen as this humiliation, as he's the, the false king. Jesus isn't the king, we're, got, we're about to crucify him. Caesar is still the emperor. And so there's this thing that's going on where, and in fact I heard someone say it down here last week when uh, uh, Phil, I think it was, stood up with the, with the um, wreath on. And someone said, hail Caesar. They were, talking about it. And that's exactly what's going on. That there's this kind of play. Jesus is not Caesar. Caesar is the king. Jesus, he's about to be crucified. And so there's this, this humiliation and the crown isn't about the fact that it was thorns and it was painful. It was about the fact that it was this kind of mocking him. And so the scene on Good Friday is one of total humiliation. And this play against the Caesar 
They put a, a robe on him. Caesar wore a purple robe. They spit instead of kiss. They slap him instead of saluting him. There's this, Jesus is about to be crucified. But the story doesn't end there. Because Jesus is raised. And in fact, actually, you go on just a few verses later. And where Jesus, at the point of his crucifixion, there's a Roman centurion at the cross. And he utters these words, surely this man was the son of God. At the point in Mark's gospel, anyway, in Mark's gospel, the, high, uh, the climax, the high point, there's a Roman centurion at the cross saying, surely this man was the Son of God. Maybe he'd been there. Maybe he'd been involved in the mockery of Jesus. And now he realizes when he sees how he died, surely this man is the Son of God. And if you look at how Mark's gospel starts, verse 1, This is the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And now we get to chapter 15, the crucifixion, the climax. Surely this man is the Son of God. And throughout Mark's gospel, the only people that use that term, Son of God, is God at the baptism of Jesus and demons. So it's interesting then that at the crucifixion, it's a person. And it's not a Jew, it's a Roman who is recognizing Jesus is the Son of God. And the first thing for us today is to think about who do we say Jesus is? When we hear the Easter message, what is our confession? It's just a thing. It's a part of the year. It's something that someone else believes. Oh, well, we're saying, Jesus, you are the Son of God. That is our confession. That is our hope. That is, that is what we believe to be true today. So that's seen on Good Friday is transformed from humiliation to the victory, to the celebration that Jesus is risen. And that's, when we think about Jesus being crowned, Jesus wears the crown of victory. Jesus is the one who was overcome. And it wasn't just this, this scene here, but, you know, in amongst all of the, the, the human, the earthly mocking, there's this scene, this cosmic drama playing out that the devil thinks he's won. But now Jesus defeats the power of sin and death. And we as Christians, we say, Jesus, you have risen. You are the first. And what you have done, we believe we will share in in the same way. And everything about who we are, about what we believe, about what we do comes back to this central belief. Jesus, you are risen. You are alive. If we don't believe that, nothing else matters. Paul says it and we've preached on a series on that uh, here before. In, in Corinthians, Paul says, if, if there is no resurrection, our faith is useless. So it's kind of important. <laughs> it kind of matters what we say. But Jesus wears the crown of victory. He is the one who was overcome. Jesus is, of course, the king. Yes, there is this kind of crown, but there is also this kind of crown. The royal crown that Jesus wears. He is the victor and he is the king. And to help us think about that, because then, okay, so what about the crowns that we wear? And what does that mean for us? Well, the first thing is, because Jesus 
is the victor. It means that we get to share in that victory too. We get to share in that victory. Now, this is the kind of stuff where you can talk about, hey, we, we share in the victory. Okay, what does that mean? What does that look like? And we could get all hyped up about the fact that we share in the victory. But there is a truth. Because Jesus has risen, we get to share in that victory as well. We get to be a part of that. What does that look like for us? Well, I think there's two ways that we can overcome and we can be victorious in life. There are the things that go on internally and there's the things that come against us in life. And with both of those things, whether it's stuff that's going on within us or stuff that's happening around us, to us, Jesus gives us a strength to overcome and to keep going and to, as we were hearing about last week, persevere. You see, Jesus, and we talk about the fact that Jesus died for our sins. And I've talked about this before, but I think it's such an important thought. It's not just the fact that Jesus forgives us for those individual things that we have done wrong. But the fact that Jesus has broken us, broken the power of sin and death. We have been set free from the power of sin and death. It doesn't need to have power over us anymore. And we need to get a hold of that truth this morning. That within us, that stuff that goes on. And look, we get it. We all battle stuff. There are things that, you know, that, 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 that were changed in an instant at the point that we said yes to following Jesus. But other things, we have to discipline. And again, Paul makes that point about we discipline ourselves in, in order to pursue that prize. But let me encourage you with this. Jesus has given you the strength And we can share in that victory to overcome the sinful nature. And when those things happen around us, we face them differently to how other people face them. Where other people might fall apart, we have strength to persevere. We have faith. God, you're going to bring me through this. We can be victorious. And I get, again... We need to be real. We need to be honest. We need to be, uh, recognize our feelings within all of that. But let me tell you, we also need to confess who God is, who Jesus is, and he is the one who gives us the strength to overcome. Amen? So the first thing is we get to share in that victory. Jesus has overcome and he has broken the power of sin and death. He has set us free so that we can walk in new life. Walk in new life. And I wonder this morning, do we need to renew that commitment, that determination? God, I am going to keep walking in the new life that you have given me. I'm going to keep walking in the newness and into all that you have for me. Those things that are are holding me back, those things that aren't great at the moment, God, I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to overcome and trust that God in you, I can walk in new life. Those situations I'm facing right now, I'm going to face them differently because, Jesus, you are victorious. And I trust and I believe that you will give me the victory too. The second thing is this. We share in the victory. We represent the king. We represent the king. And this is where some of the thoughts about crowns come out in the New Testament. There's a little passage in uh, Peter and then uh, one in uh, uh, Philippians. So this one in Peter, 
he's writing to the elders among you. I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And in Philippians uh, chapter 4, just read this verse and then we'll get a few thoughts from it. Philippians chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. So we've got two passages, one in Peter, Philippians. Peter saying to the church, don't lord it over people, serve faithfully, etc. So there's a sense in which people will receive a crown for service to other Christians. That we serve one another in all sorts of ways. And then Paul is talking, yes, he's serving the church, but he'd proclaim the gospel to them. And he's saying, there's a crown, you're my crown. And he says it to the Thessalonians as well. You're my crown for my witness and my evangelism. So we represent the king in two ways. We represent Jesus in two ways. By serving others in the church and by witnessing to the world. And part of our response to the Easter message, yes, we celebrate the victory, but we also recognize we represent the king. And we go and we make a difference in our world. Now, you know, um, when we were in church, uh, and, and some of you might sort of be familiar with this kind of thing, but we would do things in our services where, let's say, someone would get up and sing a song just like Sarah has, and uh, there was this kind of thing that would go on in church that when somebody did something like that, you know, they'd get up and they'd perform, they'd do a drama or a, or a song. And, and at the end of it, nobody would clap <laughs> because we're not doing it for human adoration. Yeah, we're, we're doing it to serve Jesus. Uh, every now and again, you would get someone that didn't understand the unspoken rule of church. So... So like in any normal walk of life, you clap, don't you, when someone does something? I went to see Hamilton. Uh, if you've seen Hamilton, you'll know what I'm talking about. We went to see this a few months ago. Like we were clapping everything. Someone walks on stage, yeah! You know, every song, yeah! It was brilliant. If you know Hamilton, you'll know what I'm talking about. Okay? But whatever it is, you know, we would clap. And every, but in church, no, we don't clap. Because people need to be kept humble. All right? But every, time, every now and again, like I say, someone wouldn't understand the unspoken rule. So they would, and there would be like a, a look shot across. No, we don't clap. We don't celebrate. But could you imagine if Sarah had got up just then and sung that song? Well, how amazing is that? And they're like, everyone's, yeah, great. If, if, if at some point there was an applause, it was kind of like people would point up. Yeah, okay, I'm doing it for Jesus. We, we get it, all right? There's no need to be falsely humble. We can celebrate each other. The reason I'm saying all of this is because I kind of really like the fact that Paul says to the Philippians, you are my joy and my crown. <laughs> you know, 
look what I've done. You are my joy and my crown. He's not talking now about some crown that he's going to get because he's done something. Yes, there is a crown. We've read about that in Peter. You know, a crown for service. But here he's saying, you're my crown. You're what I've done. How have I been served and been faithful? I'm looking at you. And, and it, with the Thessalonians, he's talking about the future. You know, on the day when Jesus returns, this is in Thess- 1 Thessalonians 2, on the day when Jesus returns, yes, you're my crown. And I'll say, hey, look, this is the church. These are the people I preach to. But this is happening now. <laughs> you're my joy and my crown now. Now, this is a really interesting thought because we don't kind of like this language in church of celebrating and honoring and recognizing because we're doing it all for Jesus. Yes, we know, and that is an important point. But the thing is, Paul is looking at something and saying, Jesus, this is what I've done. God, you gave your, you've revealed your grace to me. And I haven't got loads of time this morning to get into the whole thing about grace. And I know we talk about grace is free. But let me tell you, grace requires a response. And when you understand, again, some of the ancient culture around gift giving, etc., you'll know it means a response. Paul says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For an obligation is laid on me. He's saying, I have to do something out of response to all that Jesus has done for me. And part of that is, yes, I pray and I worship and I thank Jesus But I also, I represent the king. And I tell others. And I'm looking at you, Philippians. You're what I've done. Jesus, this is how I'm serving you. And I wonder, what are the things that we might point to today to show how we are serving Jesus? And I'm not talking about being big-headed about these things. Hey, look, you know. Aren't I amazing? But saying, yeah, these are the things we've done. Jesus, this is how I've served you. Now look, for Paul, it was preaching the gospel and planting churches. But for you, it could be any whole host of things. And not just the things that we think are overtly Christian. And this is why, you know, the whole thing of this time tomorrow, we want to celebrate. Because it might be, as we heard last week from Theo, GP, this is how I'm serving you. This is how I'm representing you, Jesus, in the world. By being the best GP I can. By being the best teacher I can. By being the best mechanic I can. By being the best engineer. By witnessing. By living out the things of the kingdom in my life. But these are the things I'm pointing to. This is my crown. These are the ways, Jesus, that I want to represent you to the world. And the reason we don't get big headed is because we're all doing it together. But we all want to do something. And look, let me tell you what, in eternity, I don't want to be, Jesus, look at my amazing borders with the gravel <laughs> that I spent, or my, my amazing air fryer, okay? <laughs> I'll, I'll cook you some sin free chips. Uh, again, again, if you know, you know, but I won't get into it now. It's sin with a Y. Okay, they changed it. Right, uh, but <coughs> so yeah, moving on. <laughs> Jesus might like them. I don't know. Anyway, but I do want there to be something where I'm saying, Jesus, this is what we've done together as a church, 
gifted, lighthouse, trucker's chapel, family bank, family feast, all of the other things, alpha, all of the other things that are going on. But what else might there be? The work that we do, all the other things that are within us. Jesus, this is how I'm representing you. This is how I am serving you. And of course, in the way we live. But I love this thought with Paul. You're my joy and my crown. And it's interesting because, again, there's this language, the citizens of heaven. Uh, Philippians 3, he's just talked about we're citizens of heaven. And again, this contrast, we're not citizens of Rome. We're citizens of heaven. We're working for a heavenly commonwealth. So what are we doing with our life today to benefit the heavenly commonwealth? Third thing is this. We share that victory. We represent the king. And we worship. The reason, yes, Paul talks about the, uh, the Philippians being his joy and his crown. And again, in church, one of the things that we would, we, we would often hear, use this phrase, you know, if someone was doing some sort of menial task, we'd be like, that's a jewel in your crown in heaven. Anyone sort of heard that language? The number of people who, who have hoovered a church carpet and have been promised a jewel in their crown in heaven, you know, must be in the bazillions by now, okay? Like as if, oh, serving Jesus is just about doing those things. It's, it's everything, all right? Everything we do, and this is the point, we worship because everything we do is for his glory and honor. And so when we talk about laying our crowns down, I don't think it's about like there isn't any eternal reward. I think, I think there is something. Whether it is a literal crown or some other reward, there is some result of what we've done in this life, whatever that might look like. And maybe the writers were using a metaphor of a crown because that was helpful, but whatever it might be, there is some result. However, the point about laying the crowns down isn't that, well, there won't be any reward, it's that we remember, but Jesus, I did this for you. Jesus, I was doing this for you. You are my joy and my crown, Jesus this is how I'm serving you. With the grace that you've given me, this is my response. This is how I am serving you. And the thing is, with everything that we, that we hear today, everything that we're, we're talking about, we need to make a response. And our response is to worship. Jesus, I bow before you. In Mark, they bowed down. In mockery, fake worship, pretending. But now we know, like the Roman centurion, Jesus is the Son of God. And we bow down in true worship. And everything that we do, everything that we are, all the battles, all of the things that we've been through, Jesus, we come and remember, this is for you and for your glory. Everything is for you, to worship you. And we're going to sing in a few moments if the band wants to come up and join me. And we're going to sing a song of, of honor and glory to God. And as we do that, we can make a response that the words that we're singing, you know, we're not just following what's on the screen, but we're making a response in our heart to say, Jesus, this is all about you. This is all for you. It's all for your 
glory. And again on this Easter day, Resurrection Sunday, I want to come and again remember, Jesus, I'm laying everything at your feet. I'm putting my trust, my faith, my hope, my confidence in you. And worship, let me tell you, isn't just about the singing either. Worship isn't just what's going on in these next few moments. So it's good for us to make a response corporately. But it is, worship is lifestyle of going out from here and then saying, Jesus, tomorrow how I live is going to be an act of worship. Not because we're singing songs, but because the way we treat others, the way we react, the way we respond shows, Jesus, you are at the center of my life. So I wonder if we can stand. And let's just take a moment before we sing to make a response. Maybe close our eyes. Maybe hold our hands out in that act of surrender. Jesus, we thank you that you went through the pain and the humiliation of the cross for each and every one of us. And through your death and resurrection, you wear the victor's crown. And Jesus, I pray this morning that whatever part of the service or the message has spoken to us, that you will seal those things in our lives. Jesus, we do want to give our all for the cause of Christ. And as we come now in these few moments we worship and we lay everything at your feet this is not for my glory and my honor our glory our honor is for you Jesus and we offer to you all of those things that we do all of those ways in which we serve all of those ways in which we represent the king said, Jesus, this is for you. And maybe for those who are hearing a message like this for the first time and making that response, God, I pray that you will draw close, that people know they can find salvation, they can find hope in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.